What's up? Welcome to Tide Sessions, a podcast about water sports. I'm Mike and this is Mel. We're both super passionate about the water and together we co-founded a kite surfing school called Tide Water Sports. On this podcast, we're going to be chatting to athletes, founders and other rad people who also love being in, on or under the water. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we did. In today's episode, we chat to Adrian Kerr, who you probably already know if you love kiteboarding and podcasts. Adrian is the host of Kitesurf365, a podcast about kitesurfing, where he chats with kitesurfers about their love of the sport, competitions and more. We love talking to Adrian about his own journey with water sports, how he fell into kiteboarding and why he started his own podcast. We loved hearing some behind-the-scenes stories of him commentating kiteboarding or simply traveling around and meeting athletes. Mike and I had a blast chatting with Adrian, so enjoy! Hey! Hey, Adrian! What's happening there, guys? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah it was well. lovely. Mate, check out, you, check out you guys all sitting there <laughs> looking so smart. Yeah, right. I've got like a big like blanket. It's so cold here in the cold. UK. Yeah. I wasn't going to mention the, the the granny blanket that you. But look, it's not here. granny. I made it. It's lovely. It's oh, it's isn't lovely. it? Okay, okay, it looks good then. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, nice, nice, nice setup there. You got the the pod mics and everything. I'm liking it. Yeah, yeah. and the, and the sound that you've got is awesome too. Oh, so you, it's, it's nice to okay? have. Some, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's nice to have some good sound coming from the other end instead of some uh, some dodgy phone phone sounds. Phone sounds. Yeah, sometimes it's tricky. <laughs> you know about that. Yeah, I kind of like that though. I kind of like the fact that it gives like a. I think I, I like the raw feel. You know, I don't like overproduced stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it. I think it's quite cool for the talent. Sometimes it sound a bit off because man, you're gonna face some. Um, you're gonna face many challenges, right? I mean, I, I think that. I remember one time with when I was doing a thing a podcast with Willow River Tonkin. I, I can't remember what happened, but like the first twenty minutes of the podcast just wasn't there. So we had to we recorded it by like a WhatsApp message. I'd send him a voice message, he'd reply. I'd send him a question, he'd reply. And I just downloaded that and stitched it all together. Nobody no, nobody knows. That's really cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I guess no, we, we don't mind it. I mean I donated it the podcast anyway. Mike does it. So I don't mind yeah. if sometimes I go on tangents and he has to take it off and that's fine, but yeah, we've been we've been we've had we've been good so far though. People have been really good, and, and yeah, uh, I think the only bad bit was maybe a bit of a tropical rainfall. Oh yeah, but that was fun. And, uh, yeah, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's all good. I've had some bad ones, man. Go back early <laughs> days. Man. I've had some terrible ones. Ones ah, oh, there's some ones where I was like, man, should I just put the stuff on the air? I mean, is it's that bad? But then you just think, you know what? You just got to get it out. You know, consistency consistency yeah. is yeah. everything, and sometimes. Sometimes it's not the product you want. That's the that's the yeah. that actually happens, you know. Yeah, that's fine. But um, we're excited to be like talking to you because I wanna I wanna talk more about you and and like your kite surfing and and your backstory and everything. So because uh, we don't know that much about you, we feel like we we listen to you a lot, but we hear about other people <laughs> and not you that much. Um, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. was like hearing, funny. you know, behind the scenes. So cool. Yeah, tell us more. I know, no, you're Kiwi, but that's that's all we know. <laughs> uh, man, so I mean, I always grew up around the water. You know, being from Auckland, you know, I mean, it's a big sailing culture, right? So my my dad bought a little sailing boat years ago, and we used to sail that round and basically just trash the shit out of it, you know. But it was always for fun. But um, then I got into kayaking, you know, canoeing, and you know, outrigger canoeing and drag boating. I did a lot of that. But then obviously rugby 
became the big part of my life. So for a long time, I sort of got away from water sports and just played rugby. But when I found kite surfing, it was kind of one of those things. I was like, oh man, I wish I'd found kite surfing earlier because man, you know, you put yourself through so much playing rugby and then at the end of it, you're like, man, it wasn't really worth it. I mean, it was worth it, but kite surfing is just much more fun and enjoyable and less stress on the body. And, and, and overall, I think kite surfing's a more balanced sport than, than putting a, putting your body on the line week in, week out, you know? Yeah. For sure. Well, you know I, I, I come from like rugby background as well. It's the same sort yeah. of story with me, like growing up. Yeah, rug, yeah, rugby is a bit painful. I, I had so many concussions. The doctor <laughs> ended up saying, "Mike, you need yeah. to you need yeah. to stop playing this." He always uses it as yeah. an excuse whenever he forgets something. He's like, "Oh, I've been concussed. R- like, I can't. I forget." Yeah, it's, it's rugby rug- email. It's the rugby. So, yeah, yeah. but I use that as age now. I just say, oh, "I'd say it." You can't remember, but it's funny. Like I do think about sometimes. I'm like, "Man, why?" Can't, you know, you get to the stage. You're like, "Why can't I remember this?" Come on, it's on the tip of my tongue. But and it's normally someone key's name. And like I'm in a podcast and I can't remember somebody's name. But yeah. it, it, it generally comes. I have to just sort of sit there looking and then edit out later. So I sounded awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's the magic of editing. What age did you get into uh, kite surfing? Um, around about 35. So, uh, you know, quite old compared to most of the guys around here, but, and I just got into it just for an ex-girlfriend, you know, she was kiting, I was sort of winding up my rugby, rugby playing times and I was sitting on the beach, she was kiting (laughs) and I was thinking, hang on a second, I should be doing this. So I got into it and I was lucky enough that I had this awesome job where I only really worked in the mornings and stuff like that. So I, um, you know, like you can do is if you you know put a lot of time into the sport like anything you know if you put time into anything you can get better right so I just found that I increased to the level past her and you know after we broke up I I saw her around and she was she dropped out of kite surfing I just continued on and yeah it just became like anything it became an obsession it became a passion and and uh you know now it's to the passion that's now my job which is even cooler which is amazing to me even to say that now sounds a bit weird to say but yeah it's it's Look, I I don't I've never been a big goal setter. I've never really set goals right. But people, you know, you, you always hear those people say, "Oh, you know, if you set a goal and you believe it, you can achieve it." And I always thought that was a bit, you know, I probably deep down believed it, but I never did it. You know, it yeah. wasn't, just wasn't who I was. And this was the first time that I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a really good crack. But you know, I'd had some just to let you guys in a little bit of my background. I'd actually had some, I'm saying minor success on YouTube before. I had been making these videos where I drank beer and <laughs> I just drink beers and um, my girlfriend hated those videos. She, so she was really happy when I said, I'm going to start doing a podcast about kite surfing. I'll get into that a bit later. And uh, because these beer videos, I mean, it was, I don't know whether I was just lucky or what happened, but you know, the first video I put up, it got like 6,000 views. The next one got 670,000 views or something crazy like that. And I was thinking, man, this YouTube shit is so easy. So I started doing that regularly and, but then it almost cost my job because I was working in Dubai at that time and I was a teacher in a school and the kids found out about it and they were walking around the school, you know, pretending to drink whiskey and like I couldn't go into any class and, you know, it, it got in the way of, you know, my career at the time. I mean, they basically said, you got to stop doing that. So I had to stop. And it must have been fun chugging all those beers. <laughs> Mate, I well, I mean, that was the irony. I, I would drink like a different beer every week, but then it got into drinking three beers within five minutes. And I, and I you know, I just got carried away. I, I got sort of, I got sort of whipped up and, and, and addicted to the downloads, you know, and yeah. that's when I realized, oh man, if you actually plug away at something and you're committed to something and you really want to do well, doesn't matter whether it's kite surfing or rugby or knitting a blanket or whatever, if you commit yourself to doing it, you can get success in anything. And that's the that's really been the key of Kitesurf 365 and now the Megapod as well. You know, it's just 
sticking to something, being accountable to the people who listen every week and just doing it. Yeah. I feel like doing what you do at the moment as well is probably a bit more rewarding than just drinking beers because that's what we were talking about, like <laughs> talking to athletes yeah. and people that love the water as much as we do is like the best bit, like just chatting to people, right? Well, you never know. Maybe yeah. he's doing both at the same time, <laughs> win-win scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, <clears throat> I did do some drinking and chatting before. I think when when I was doing the lockdown and live presenting that for the for the kite mag, they were real super easy about it. They were like, "Oh yeah, you can drink beers and you can have fun with it." So I got carried away a few times. I think Tom Court and I did the lockdown live for twenty minutes. I think then him and I just stayed online and drank for like about three hours. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, we had some fun times. But I mean, yeah, I don't I don't do that as a habit. I don't, you know, drink and do podcasts. I mean, I have for sure, but I don't, it's not something I do because that's, I'm trying to be as professional as possible yeah. to my level, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. I, would I just definitely go, couldn't. No. I would just talk shit. I would just be terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's what people, but surprisingly, that's what people, people like. People like, right? yeah. 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 Like it, when mm. we first started the, uh, the Megapod and, um, you know, with, with Colin, Colin, Carol, I actually said to him, I said, people actually just like to hear you and I talking shit as well. You know, it's like mm. we're always thinking, oh, what should we come up with this? Where should we take this angle? What should we do here? And I was like, you know what? Let's just have a let's have a good old catch up and just have a have fun, you know. So we don't we don't do those as much as I think we should. But it's like you're saying, right, you know, you just have to Yeah. Anyway, I digress. That's fine. We digress all the time. That's what Man, mainly male. <laughs> yeah, maybe me. Mainly male. <laughs> So you've done a lot of uh, kite surfing out in Dubai because you lived there for a while, right? What, what was yeah. it? What was it like kiting out there? Uh, it's pretty shitty, really, to be honest. Just like it's light a pretty winds big scene like there. Yeah, light winds. Yeah, it's a, it's it's great if you're into foiling stuff like that. The 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 bit the the best thing about Dubai is it's close to Oman. So uh, in the in the in the hot season of Dubai, a lot of people sort of migrate down to Oman, and you know, being a teacher, I could get you know six or seven weeks off every summer, and I could spend five weeks on on Mazera. so that was really when i think about my kite surfing time in dubai the proximity to oman was the best riding riding around dubai is you can sure like any any spot you can have good days right you can have days where it's okay but you, you're a lot on 12 and 14 meter kites it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty boring really but um, but still, you know, the water's beautifully clear there. It's crisp. It's always clean. It's warm. There's no wetsuits. So there's a lot of positives to that type of condition. But for your actual riding ability, it's not great. To be fair, you might as well just be foiling, right? If it's that sort of conditions. Yeah, I mean, I got into foiling there. I've never really warmed up to foiling. As you know, I probably, uh, I'm, I'm getting more into foiling. I've been foiling the last two or three days. But I, I just think that I just, probably like most people who, probably like yourself, uh, Mike, who has come from rugby and you need the physical side. I just find falling a bit like driving the old man's car with a cigarette, you know, <laughs> just like, you just like hand out the window, just cruising along. It's not, I, I don't get that from it, you know, and I'm sure that you can get that because I've seen the best guys do amazing stuff, but yeah, I'm definitely not good enough at falling to, to feel like I've got a good workout. You know, my workouts from falling is falling off and then having to swim around and get the board, you know? Yeah. Not Charles Brodell double loop falling. No, no, <laughs> not like Charles and Jamie and those guys who make it look super easy. But yeah, I mean those, I mean those guys are next level, right? I mean they're they're a, they're a different breed. And when you talk about like the one percenters in sport, I mean I think those are the zero point zero one percenters when it comes to yeah hydrofoil big air. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy what they can do with their foils. 
But sure. like you said, they make it look so easy. It's it's just insane. But they're like, yeah, he's really young as well, isn't he? He's got no fear. It just goes for it. What, Jamie? Especially Jamie, yeah. I'm thinking of Jamie because I follow him really closely. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I can't foil for anything, so I probably I probably would get a really big workout out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, body dragging around. I mean, look, I think having the right foil set up as well. I mean, I've got this fly surface sole, which is really beautiful to fly. Before, you know, you can grow down wind. And I always had that problem. Like most people when they get into foiling is they buy a foil and they don't have a foiling specific kite. So let's say they're just riding their normal LEI kite. And that's great to go upwind. But when you try to go downwind with those kites, you know, they, they don't like to go downwind. They fall out of the sky, you know. And one thing people don't tell you about foiling is, man, it's not easy to do a long body drag, self-rescue, whatever you want to call it, with a foil and a wet kite and a kite that you can't launch. It's, I mean, it can be a long, long swim. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass sometimes, especially when the wind drops. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're basically yeah. screwed. Yeah, I've had that on a few times where I've had to swim in. Even got rescued by a windsurfer once. Oh, oh no. man, that must have been embarrassing. <laughs> 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 having, a, having a windsurfer come and rescue of all the people. Yeah, I was in. it was in Big Bay. I was, I was trying to foil with a little four-meter kite, and then the wind just dropped. You were learning, though. I was learning, yeah. And there were waves, and Cape Town is not the place to not learn. Not really a great like place to learn yeah. foiling. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember Stephen Eckers, like, 2000, I want to say 2020, almost cut his foot off, right? In a, yeah, in that was not yeah. Just, bef- just before Kota, and... Um, yeah, that was just in the waves, got caught, wrong place, wrong time, and just a huge cut on his ankle. Yeah. Easily done yeah. with those things. That's the most damage I've ever done to myself, really, with it, is with a foil. You mean the time you were, like, actually just on the ground oh, and yeah. just even, tightening even, things even, like, that you tightening cut, the bolts, cut your hand I, and you slipped, and, I, and I, I literally sliced my hand open and I had to go to hospital for stitches just, just taking the thing apart. It's hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's just leave it together. Just leave it together. It's the easiest way. I did once, but then all the bolts sort of corroded and then that's it. You can't take it apart anymore. You can't well, switch mate, out your say that. We just got back from Kegelaria and, and the base plate of my uh, shaft, I just can't get off. So I just put the whole base plate with a big bit of metal on the end. I can't get it off. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, I just whack it. I'm like, nah, just leave it. It's fine. It's not going anywhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, people take a lot more care. Well, that's the thing with foils, right? I mean, you have to take a lot of care with those. And I, I don't because I... I guess I don't care enough about it, you know. I just I'm happy just to turn it up and just lean it up against the wall, you know, and that's that's fine for me. Yeah, but if if you're someone that needs to like travel a lot with the foil, I guess Mm, looking after it and being able to take it apart is a lot more essential, I guess. Anyway, that's enough about foiling. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of weight to travel with foil, man. One of my pet hates traveling with foiling gear or just kite surfing gear. That's like a whole mission in itself. Um, but right. so you've been, well, you've just traveled then cause you're in Thailand now. Mm. So you just moved, you moved to yep. Thailand, right? That what's that about actually? Cause that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, I've actually had a place here for some time, but uh, I guess part of the, the project of taking, you know, the podcast and, you know, what we're doing full time is that I needed to be in a place that was cheaper to live. Um, and, uh, Dubai, although it's a very safe, great place, it's, it's way too hot about nine months of the year. And, um, you know, Thailand is just a place that's got a, a, a good little foiling community, kite surfing community. It's got a nice little season. It's way cheaper than anywhere else that I've got. Having my having my apartment here, which actually has turned into my my recording space, I've just basically turned it into another studio. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just a cool place to live. You know, there's a little bit of a price to play in paradise because I do have to travel back to Europe for work. But 
you got to weigh that up and think, you know what? I, when I'm here, I'm super happy. I'm super comfortable. Uh, the time zones again, not ideal, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm super happy here. I literally live, I mean, about 30 meters from the beach. So I can just walk down with my coffee, check the wind. If it's good, I can go. If it's not, I can just wander back and, you know, it's, it's easy. It's good. Whereabouts in Thailand are you? I'm in uh, Hua Hin, which is on the central coast. It's about three hours south of Bangkok. Okay. Uh, there's been P- Picar has been here before. There's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, hydrofoil races from Asia use it as their training base. So there's a lot of you know a lot of foils out every day racing foils training. So I do see all types of characters here. But um, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's not a very touristy place. It's not Phuket. It's not Bangkok or or Koh Samui or Koh Tao or any of those places by any means. It's more of a more of a place that's um, for Bangkok tourism and, you know, Thai yeah. local tourism. So which is quite nice. It means you don't have the, the chaos of Phuket or all that sort of stuff. But so, you have a bit more of a sort of local feel to it, if that makes sense. So it's nearer like Pattaya and stuff like that, right? It's on the other side. So Pattaya's on if you go when you leave if you leave Bangkok and you go to the left, that goes to Pattaya. So I'm on the other coast going towards ah, okay. going towards the islands, going south towards uh Koh Samui. Right. And you're closer to home as well, right? Do you ever go back or do you not go back? I'm actually Canada? going back in January, first time in five years, okay. which is crazy. Uh, I mean, COVID obviously has played a big part on that. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to going home. I mean, I, my my parents and my family have traveled to see me in Dubai a lot. So it's it's funny, like you talk about going home to see family, but they're always desperate to come and travel to Europe and they'll stop by. So it's not like I haven't seen anyone. And also, right, the internet makes... The internet makes so, things so close, right? I mean, you can just pick up what's happened, you know, talk to my dad straight away. So it's not like it was 40, 50 years ago where someone went overseas and they're never seen again. I mean, I think the world's got to become a very small place. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Are you not going to South Africa then? A little bit before yep. you are? Yep. Yeah, I'm leaving on Saturday morning for a month. So, yeah, that's going to be cool. Go there for King of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, podcasts, we've got some, you know, video stuff to do, lots of projects, too many projects probably for what we're, you know, taking too many bites out of the apple. Um, yeah, we've got a, got a lot of stuff. Some, we've got another project we've been trying to film two times and keep getting skunked by weather. So we're hoping, fingers crossed, that we can get that one done while we're down there as well. But yeah, we, we'll be down there just doing the podcast stuff and talking to the guys as usual and, you know, just bringing basically up to date and the same day action as soon as that as soon as events over we'll do uh, our wrap-ups of the day and you know just try and bring out a lot of quick content that's consumable for people who who want to know what's going on who haven't had the opportunity to watch you know for sure excited when are you guys doing another blank kite test i'm super excited for that <laughs> well i mean that's the one of that's the project that we've been skunked on we've tried to film it twice we have the kites yeah. and we're ready to go um, yeah, twice we've just, we've gone somewhere and we just haven't had the wind, you know, we just haven't had the opportunity to, to do it justice. So we're sort of, we're taking everything to Cape Town as well. So we, we, we're going to get it done. It'll happen. Um, yeah, that's been uh, a little bit of a, <laughs> we, I mean, I guess ultimately we'd like to finish that project a long time ago, but it's just, that's just part of the sport, right. To be involved in, you know, where it's wind orientated and condition orientated and people orientated. You can't just like the the one we did with Yuri was so easy that we thought I think we thought we're probably always going to be easy because we yeah. just got on a boat. We had Yuri there. We went to these islands. We could get to the island early. No one was there. We could do what we wanted, and we we're gone. But 
yeah, now the project's a lot bigger, more people involved, more cameras. So yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think you should be able to happen. get it done in it's Cape Town, though. Yeah, Cape Town should be fine. That's the plan. Is Yuri doing it again, or have you got another rider? Or is that a secret? Yeah. secret? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not, not a secret. I don't want to say who the writers are because I want it to want to leave that. But no, it's, yeah. it's not going to be Yuri this time. It'll be someone. Nice. Be, yeah. It'll be someone else. Cool. Well, that's cool as well. I think that's important. Actually, ultimately, Yuri would be really cool. Like, I actually would love Yuri to do it again. But I think being Big Air, I think it'd be better to have guys who have uh, maybe uh, maybe a little bit more in tune with, with what's going on Big Air front. Yeah. Mm. Can you tell us what kites you've, you've got? No, I can't. Secret secrets. Secrets. Yep. Stop trying to get secrets out of them. I need insider information. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean that's the whole idea that I, you know it's supposed to be a surprise, right? Obviously, when you see the video, you'll know. But you know, the less people who know, the the better. I think. I yeah. mean, yeah, for sure. You know, you know, it's uh, it's it's going to be cool. This one will be epic. I'll say that. Yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome. So you've been to loads of different destinations around the world, right? With your kite surfing. Have you got a favorite that you've been to, like a favorite spot? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think Oman's my favorite place to go. I, I really enjoy um I really enjoy that place. It's very, very desolate. It's not it's not like it's not like Cape Town where you've got bars and restaurants. There's literally no bars. <laughs> there's no place. You know, there's a few restaurants, a handful of things. I uh, I saw that heel and the guys were there this uh, last summer, it looks like there's a lot more shops popped up because I had I didn't get the opportunity to go the last two years because it was closed for because because of COVID, but uh, that that's going to be my number one because just it's it's like in the old days when we first used to go there, it was like that classic, like a surf trip, right? You packed up the car, you filled up everything, and you know you got in the thing and you drove for sort of eight or nine hours through the desert to get to this ferry, which was looked like the ferry that tipped over, you know, in Greece and everyone died. It was just like the winds buffeting and there's sea everywhere and um, and it was just like that excitement of being on a mission and, you know, everything you had was with you. So that was super cool. Um, where else have I been that I liked? Um, I like, I like Dahab. I like the blue, blue lagoon Dahab side of the Sinai, uh, in Egypt. I think that's really, really cool. I mean, these places are pretty well known, but they're not popular. I mean, I know, but I know Dahab is getting more and more popular every year. Um, where else do I like? I like Vietnam. I think Vietnam's kind of cool. I think Vietnam's a pretty challenging, pretty windy place. I'd like to go to Taiwan. I haven't been, to, had a chance to get up there. So yeah, I mean, there's lots of places. I think, I, I think kite destinations are not always about uh, the best wind or best conditions. I think it's who you're with. Because, yeah. And we've all been on kite trips, right? Where maybe the wind wasn't great, but every night we had fun. We went out, we ate amazing food. We sort of relaxed off the water and you got away. At the end of it, you come back, you're like, man, that was just a sick trip. So it's not always about the conditions for me. I think it's about who you're with you know, the sort of vibe that you have as a group or a, or a little crew. So, yeah, I mean, any anything can make a good trip to me. I think that's why Cape Town is such an amazing destination for kite surfing is because, you know, it's not everything that's on the water, it's off the water as well. You've got yeah. all the bars along the coast. You can do like downwinders wherever everyone and it's just a, such a good community of kite surfers there and mm -hmm. the level is so high as well always in Cape Town. So it always pushes everyone to progress more there. Yeah, I think that's what I liked about it. It was having all the pros there as well, like, you know, around all the other, no, no, you know, not professionals like me and just being like, maybe I'll stay on the, <laughs> like, on like the stand like for us, that. Like yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I think, yeah, it pushes everyone to get better and, and it's amazing to see them in real life. Cause I always say people that watch Kota on the TV, like 
compared to what it feels like to watch in real life. Because I remember we, we only saw one in real life and it was, what, 2018? But it was the year that, I think Kevin won, but Jesse did that crazy kung fu pass, like double, like he just started spinning in the air and seeing it live, you're like, whoa, is he, like you don't know what's going to happen and it makes everything yeah, so, yeah, you sure, know, for sure. um, amazing. And that's what I like about Cape Town. The energy there is crazy. I mean, I, I felt that this year because I first, I hadn't really been to Balneario. Well, I'd never been to Balneario and the first day we got there, it was absolutely pumping and we just went down there and I was like, shit man this place is scary like it was windswept and it was like water everywhere and seaweed and I was like man this this place looks terrible and man I was just it was like it was the first time that I'd seen let's say the high level of the new sort of style of guys riding and I was just like oh shit okay I get it you know it's impressive on it's impressive on Instagram it's even more impressive in person and like like you're saying you know like you see it live you're like wow I mean, it was seriously impressive and yeah, kind of, kind of mind blowing and sort of kind of, well, I didn't want to go into, I didn't want to go on Balneario just at that at all. Cause it was just so windy and cold and yeah, it was, it was, it was scary. And we actually said that in a podcast, we're like, man, it's terrifying. And these kids were just like sending it like there was no problems. It was, it was really cool. That's the thing with these young kids. They got no fear at all. Especially like uh, in like the cold Hawaii when they're out in Denmark and they're like flying around with these giant waves everywhere and yeah, yeah, still yeah, doing that. Very we, I was just being to Jason about that yesterday, and we're just talking about Andrea, and it's amazing that I mean you you know what it's like to go to a new place, right? You know when you ride at a new spot, you've never ridden there, and you spend let's be honest, you probably spend the first sort of half an hour just getting the feel of the waves, the currents, what's it like, where you can go, you know, is it, is it safe down here? I mean, the, the fact that Andrea did what he did on one hour's sleep and riding in a place he'd never ridden before is, I think that's probably, people don't realize how impressive that is and what he can do. Yeah, it, it's, it's very impressive. I mean, those kids are just, they're next level riders, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think we're witnessing the start of this next generation and, Lorenzo Casati and Andrea Principi will be the Ruben Lentons and Aaron Hadlows and Kevin Langares of the future. And they'll be like, we'll talk about those kids. Like we, we talk about, you know, Jesse and Aaron and, and, and those guys. So yeah, we're, we're witnessing, I think we're witnessing greatness. And I think what we're witnessing is the the change of the, well, we are, we are seeing the change of the sport, but who knows where these guys are going to take it. Yeah, we talked about this with Jet. When they had, we know Jet because we met. Well, we met him when we were in Cape Town. You talked with him, and um, it was that we're thinking. But what, you know, what's next? It's just scary to think about what you know they're going to come up with next. Because yeah. I mean, it's getting pretty dangerous already. Um, I mean, they're professional athletes. You can see how much they're training. They're always training on and off the water. But still, I don't know. I'm a bit scared about what's next. Because on one hand, you've got like the Andreas and Lorenzos like pushing the double loops, S loops, and stuff like that, and then you got the Jets, Joshua Emmanuel and, and people like that pushing the short line loops and wanting to do like the infinity loop and stuff like that. It's pretty yeah, it's pretty cool to yeah. see all this sort of the different sort of styles coming on. The cool thing about Andre and Lorenzo, <laughs> imagine if you gave them short lines, what they could do. I mean they yeah. I remember that first time Yannick got on short lines and he was like doing he was doing crazy stuff on short lines that people haven't been doing. So I kind of feel if Andrea got given short lines and that was the there was a let's say there was a massive short line competition. Dude. Yeah, Andrea was ridiculous. 
Yeah. He would do something, he'd do something crazy. He would, he would work something out. I mean, those guys are very, very smart by the way. And, um, if you ever get a chance to, to meet them wherever, you know, go and talk to them because they're very polite. They're very nice kids and they, they're sort of older than their years are. You know, what is that? What's that saying? You know, they're sort of wiser than their, than, than their age because they're very clever at knowing the judges, what the judge is looking for, the rules. And they're pretty, they, they sort of blew, blew us away in Tarifa talking about Megaloot, what they were doing for Megaloot, what they were looking, planning to do that. So they have already plans in place for what they want to achieve. And those, by the way, those plans are probably out the window now because they've invented like 10 more moves since then. So yeah, it's, I, I would hate to see what the, if there was a short line competition and I, I kind of feel like it'd be the same winners again. I think it would just be the same guys coming through and they would just be as awesome. Yeah. I think I did see some footage of Andrea um doing some short line board offs and stuff like that at Balneario. <laughs> I mean, so, there you go. I mean, I haven't seen that, but like I mean, I think with you know, the movement that like uh that Jet and uh Jason Vandespay and you know Josh and Camden Callard and all those guys and Adrian Bono and those guys and Tarifa. It would be cool to see if there was a, a legit short line comp. Yeah, because it'd be cool to see what those guys can do. See, there's, there's I always think that competition drives that next level of development. And what's it? if there's no competition, you just go out and do short line loops. And we saw that a little bit with the Kite Park League. Without the competition, without the Groms coming through, without these people pushing, they just get stale. So, if there was a legit, I don't know, what do you want to call it, Red Bull King of the Short Lines? I don't know. I'm just making names up here, man. I tell you what, and there was some decent money. Hey, people will come to that and they will work out and they'll crack the code and they'll do something awesome. Do you think we'd see someone flying the kite straight underneath them, front flip, wham, infinite yeah. loop? Yeah, I don't know if that's possible. We, I think we've spoken about that a few times. I think it's impossible because, you know, the kite doesn't go to your hips. You know, you, you're not like you're sitting in a, in a swing, right? You're sitting on a, you're on a harness. So you'd, you'd actually have to forward flip out of the way. Otherwise, you'd be. Man, I, but anyway, someone will get hurt. Someone's going to get hurt. Mm. I mean, Camden, Camden already broke his ankle doing stuff. So yeah. it's a matter of time. I mean, I think the dangerous move that we're all talking about now is this unhook mega loop that um, this young kid, uh, Cameron Westman, did the other day. I don't know if you've seen that. He rides and he unhooks. Yeah. And I mean, it's, ma it's massive. And then he does a mega loop. The, the scary thing about that is if you do lose the bar, you're at the mercy of the of the safety, right? And then the, the kite could be in any direction, could fly back, could fly forward, could just throw you from 15 meters into the water. So yeah, that's, that's, I think that will be interesting at Coda to see if we see unhooked mega loops and we see, uh, we see riders looking to bring that in because historically the mega, uh, king of the air has never been super windy. It's not really, it's not like, it's not like we see in, in Europe actually. So if, if it's not windy enough and the doubles and the S's become, you know, maybe not the right conditions, then I think we'll probably see more people look at that unhook mega loop as the sort of variety builder or the or that sort of little sprinkle of something extra that the, the judges might think is important to, you know, because a variety plays a big part in King of the Year, especially towards the, you know, the final when you get quarters, semis and that. It's very, very important to have, a, you know, a heat that covers all your bases, ticks all your boxes and, and doing something like that might be, something extreme and king of the air judges like to see new stuff they like to see progression they want to see new stuff being pushed every year and we're seeing the kung fu pass from jesse from mark from liam uh for so many years and like even last year it wasn't scoring super big uh so 
maybe this is something that will they'll be excited about. What do you reckon it would score? So if if that Cameron Westman big old unhooked mega loop scored in yeah. King of the Air, do you reckon it's going to get an I've eight or nine? To see, I've just been wanting to see a ten in big air kiteboarding for like the last five years. <laughs> when are we going to get a ten? I mean, come on. If it's an unhooked well, mega loop with a KGB winner, ten with a big pass at the end. Um, well, we spoke about that. We spoke about that the other day, right? What can you add to that? Maybe like some like dangle pass late, but I don't know, man. I mean, it, it seems like they've had a lot of opportunities to give 10 over the years, but they haven't. So maybe the, maybe the 10s that – and I, I think we're speaking to Alex Vlega, who used to be the head judge before uh, the year before or something like that, and he said that he'd give a – he'd said if there's an opportunity to give a 10, you can give it, you know. But we're still yet to see it. I think Yannick's nine point. One four or nine point four, nine point one four. I think still the highest score in Coda history. And that was what was it like a doobie loop board off? Con- yeah, no, a it's a contra. Loop. You know how he does that? He does that contra sort of four late fronts. You know, yeah. The classic, the cla- And how funny is that? That that move that Yannick sort of you know popularized is now like everyone does it as a, like a normal basic starting off move. You know, it's something that you you put. It's like a oh get just get a contra a contra move in the books by a contra loop in the books by doing something like that. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's hard to say. It's hard to know if there's a, how, what they would score. I don't, see, the thing is, I think you need to see what the scoring is early in the day because normally the, the scores start off lower then the, the judges give more and more scores because you want the final and the semifinals to be your bigger scores. And I know that judges don't like to say that, but they do hold back. And as the day gets yeah. on, they start giving more and more points for stuff to build up the drama, as to say. I'd say snake loop. That's a hey, ten. If he can right? do this, if he can, if he can do the snake loop, it's a ten for sure. And he should try it without a boogie loop first. He should just say straight, straight jump, straight snake loop. But <laughs> I don't think they're going to have the wind. I, honestly, that's yeah. that. I think you need seriously windy conditions for that stuff. Yeah, it's strange because it gets really windy in Cape Town. So I don't know why it's not coincided with with Kota yet. Not much luck. Yeah. <laughs> Bad yeah, luck. That's all yeah. it is. Um. Well, can't wait. Except I'm a bit annoyed there's no women in there, but you know, we'll see. But you know, the good thing—the good thing is—I I spoke to Sergio about this, and he was very, very happy. And I think he sent me a voice message. I don't know if I put it in about about how impressed with how much, how many women put entries in, and also he's impressed with the quality of the ladies' riding. And uh, you know, the Mika effect has definitely helped that by Mika Mikaela Soul getting involved. Now I, I'm I'm completely speaking out of turn here because I don't know. I would like to see a women's event next year, a ladies' event next year. But, man, I mean, I don't see, you know, the, the owner of Red Bulls has passed away, right? The, the the big Red Bull boss has passed away. And when you have a changing of the guard at the top, you know, there's there's a different feel, there's a different look, maybe things have changed. So, yeah, I don't I don't know about next year for King of the Year. And I don't, I don't know, I've, when I've said this in the past, people have said, oh, you know, you're talking about it's going to be on for sure. Maybe. But I've heard lots of people say, man, this might be the last year, which means that the ladies might never, ever get their time to shine and do a proper queen of the year. But again, man, I'm speaking completely out of turn. I've got, this is based on zero facts. It's just based on feelings and people speaking to me about different things. But, man, it could happen. I think even if it does go, now now you've got other competitions like the Big Air Kite League and everything like that to really sort of back it up anyway. I think now now there's Some, sort of yeah. so many different competitions that are really sort of helping to push more talent through as well. 
something will replace it for sure. And Big Air Kitely probably seems like the front runner to do that. See, the GKA Big Air World Championship, they wanted to be the biggest event in kiteboarding. But, you know, the riders want to win King of the Air. It's just yeah. like a prestigious thing to win, right? It's a good trophy. The Big Air Co- it's a really nice yeah, trophy. they are cool. Yeah, they used to tell the history. They used to tell the history of each of those of those masks, right? Because every mask was a different story. But I asked Mark about it. He's like, oh, I don't know anything about it. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe <laughs> they just thought let's let, let's let's not create stories this year, and uh, we'll just put these uh put these masks out there. But um, I think Big Air Kitely could definitely do something. But their judging style and the and the and uh, the way the Big Air Kitely riders ride is not appealing to everybody, and, and especially to sort of the older. You know the old guard and that. So, yeah, I I don't know, man. It would be it would be a big ask for someone to step up and do as good a job and have the money and investment to take over from Red Bull if Red Bull did decide to back out. But guys, don't quote me on that because honestly, I'm just just speaking with you guys about it because that's you know these are the things that I am worried about, things that I've thought about. You know, you know maybe maybe the new boss is going to say, hey, where's my return on this? Because there's, there's sure there's no return on this. There's no return on this for sure. This is just the money pit. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's, I feel like it's starting to change. So they need to just, you know, power through a little bit, get more women in there. Cause that will attract more people, right? I mean, we're like part, we're like 50% of the population. So more women compete, more women get in the sport, more money. I don't know. But we'll see, I guess. More people buying Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, Mel, you know what? You're, you're 100% you're right. But I, I think if, put it this way, if you were the new CEO of Red Bull, and you looked at all these sports, what you can sponsor, and you looked at kite surfing, and you looked at the numbers, and you looked at that. You think, yeah, it's pretty like, niche. Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty niche. It's small. Yeah. It's not a it's not a big audience. It's captivated by what do we what do we say? Two hundred fifty thousand regular kiteboarders in the uh, who kiteboard regularly in the world. I mean, is it that many? I mean, it's a pretty yeah. small market. So you know, you could easily say, oh well, well let's put it into. You know, the IPL in India where they get, you know, billions of views every day, you know, so who knows? I mean, I'm just, yeah. uh, by the way, I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I, I don't know, you know. No, but you're right. I guess it depends on who the, the new CEO is going to be, if he's passionate about just, you know, these maybe kind of sports. Surfer. And, yeah. I was about <laughs> well, to say that, that yeah. was fine, yeah. Or well, maybe he's a winger yeah. and then we're all fucked. But I think they're all about oh, we'll extremity. Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. No, but Red Bull is about extreme sports and, and you know. So there's that aspect that it's working out really well. But like you said, yeah, it's, it's tricky because it's not a big spectacle. Like it's so hard as well to plan events. Like there's so many things about the sport that makes it hard to yeah. organize things and have things work out. So, yeah, it's not easy. If you think about it, we've been pretty lucky with Red Bull. Okay, I know it's been put on in some pretty marginal conditions, right? But having a 16-day win – look, Big Air Kite League has the recipe for getting it right. You put a 30-day window on, longer if you can. You get the riders together. You get to invest in the product. They're there. They believe in it. They'll do it for free, whatever. And Mike, who's this great visionary, has seen that. That's the best way to get the conditions. Man, risk, Red Bull, King of the Air, risk it every year by having a 16-day window. It's a very, very short window. You got Everything's got to go right. I know they have to book the beach out. They've got to get everything. There's a lot of money that goes on. Red Bull, uh, you know, the Big Air Kitely can do things much faster, much cheaper. We saw SpaceX do it the other day as well. But man, it's a gamble every year. It's a big gamble. What if what if there's no wind this year? The tenth edition, the sort of landmark edition. What if there's no wind? They run it in twenty knots. 
Adrian, there's going to be wind. Yeah. It's going to be a 16 no, knot. Of course. Howler. Of course. Of, of course. It's We're just be thinking pumping. about the worst case scenario. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. a, they, it's a big gamble. It is a risk. They've managed, to, they've managed to get nine of them done perfectly. So this is, yeah, every year I, I, I look at that forecast and think, man, I mean, if you think back to, I think 2017 when Nick won, I think it was pretty light. Yeah. Pretty light conditions, you know? Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, actually, it's tough. making me think about. Um, the few times you've um, commenting, comment. I, I was sort of going. Is it commentating? Comment, <coughs> commented, commentated. Yeah, there you go. Commentating. Well, yeah, you know it what? was amazing. Uh, so, the, yeah. Well, just to let you know, see the thing is, Colin and I always wanted to do like, like watch along with your mates. You know, that's the style we wanted. We don't want to be professional and polished, and we got pushed into some stuff and put, pulled different ways. And you know, in the long run, um, they decided to move away from the remote commentary that we did because those those commentaries you saw I was in Dubai I think one time Colin was in New Zealand or one time Colin was in the UK and we're going through a server in Ireland through a guy in in in, in you know Brazil or something there's something crazy how we managed to pull it off I have no idea but um yeah they they've gone away from the the distance commentary they and they want guys on the ground now but they they feel as a you can get a better buy in for that and that, and I, that's cool we just haven't been able to do any more. We we wanted to do the Brazil event, but it ended up not happening as well because of I don't know, many reasons. I can't remember one of them, but yeah, the commentary is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I mean, it's literally like this. I'm just sitting there watching, just talk, just talking with Colin, who's a good friend of mine, just talking, start talking rubbish, and you know, I try and have some, try and have as much stats and stuff I can pull off the top of my head. But yeah, yeah, those those were cool. I'd like to do more. Um, not sure people want that fun style. I think people want professional more of a professional thing which is no. totally cool no we're like we, we, yeah those were my favorite yeah. events like the full power oh, to cool. refer the tattoo yeah, with your little heads popping, your little up. Heads popping yeah, up it was really yeah, funny people yeah. were reading like, totally the comments so full power yeah. tarifa we did that over zoom over a zoom call so i i i, I downloaded like, i think i had that time i had like the zoom professional and uh we were just we were just watching literally like you see here we were just watching a screen just talking because and we had no by the way we found out like the day before so we did yeah. one practice stream with with Mihal, who was Mike's videographer at the time, and then we just went for it the next day. And we had no, we had no idea what we we're doing because we we were just dropped in the last minute. And said, "Can you do it?" And we said, "Sure." And then the Tadajuba stream, which was super cool, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was that was cool. We had like a there's some big Dutch crews that would watch every day, and they would send us, they'd be tagging us on Instagram, like be drinking every time we'd say words, so we'd just be pumping out words, so they were drinking, and yeah, it was cool. It was a it was a good way to uh, mix the, with the community, and, and I think that's what they still haven't done because we ha we built in that we could bring up, like uh, if you wrote a comment on YouTube, we'd pull it up and put it on the screen, and it was a cool way to uh, relate more to the community as well. I, I thought that was really, I thought it was done very well, and Greg James, Robbie James's father, actually built that whole that whole sort of system to do that. He did an amazing job, to be honest, and. It just about killed him by the end of it, but yeah, he he did a really awesome job. Tadajuba was 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 the best. I think that was the highlight because we had uh, uh the bubbleheads. People, some people hated the bubbleheads, some people liked them. Um, we thought the bubbleheads were cool. It was just a way that we just to interact a bit more, you know. Yeah, I think that's the whole point because, like like we said, the sport is smaller. The community is actually easier to you know it's easier to interact with everyone that's into these competitions because, like you said, there's not don't know how many people watch the competition, but it's super niche. Um, you couldn't really do that with a surfing competition because there's way too many people watching and it would be messy. But I love that we're all like 
yeah, we were commenting and watching and laughing at you guys, and yeah, it was <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, I was yeah, buzzing yeah. when my comments ah. came up on the screen. And you were like, ooh. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what's, that, what's that? I said I was buzzing when some of my comments came up on the screen. Oh, yeah. I think one of the funniest ones, I think, in Tarajuba, man, because I was, in, I was in Dubai at that stage and I had to turn the AC off. And it was like in the middle of the year, man, it was so hot and literally sweating. And I and I just said, okay, we'll go to a commercial break. And I forgot to push. So on, on my phone, you can imagine on my phone, I had a control panel on my phone so I could change the camera views. So I, I could actually control the view of the camera, you know, bring us up, bring us down, bring up comments. And I forgot to turn the cameras off and I stood up to walk out. I was just wearing my underpants. And the <laughs> comments just were going crazy like, yeah, nice underpants. But man, it was for fun. You know, we had a good time doing it and. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll do some more again. You know, finding the right opportunity, we'll definitely jump on. We've got a good relationship with the Big Air Kite League guys, and I think that I think we'd like to do more. I don't think I'm. I'm probably going to miss the event this year in Cape Town unless it happens straight after King of the Year. Uh, I probably won't be able to do it. So I think Colin will be in, and he's going to stay longer in Cape Town. So he he might do it. I I, probably, I might I might not do it. So what what's the thing about? king of the air that you're looking forward to the most uh i mean actually this is my first king of the air for me it's the first time i've been to king of the air so oh, wow. I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah yeah so it's a uh, first time for me to go i'm just really looking forward to you know seeing my friends number one compete uh seeing it live i mean i've watched for so many years like we all have but you know oh the one cool thing about the podcast and is i've got to know so many of the writers really really well you know i i call them friends so it's mixed emotions at times to watch and, and uh, it can be a bit tough, you know, when things are going bad and you can be happy for guys. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to catching up with the good friends as well. And it's, there was something cool about the GK event in Tarifa, even though it was pretty winless and we managed to get the competition done the last day. It's a really, it's a, it's a bringing together of the, of the whole industry. And I think Cape Town is, is that place as well, right? Everyone comes together, even freestyle guys come there and it's sort of like a, catching up type moment and yeah that was cool i enjoyed that and up till then i didn't do a lot of competition i didn't go to a lot of places i i was hiding behind the microphone to say for some time so it was cool to to meet these guys who i've spoken to so many times in some cases so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing them obviously doing a bit of writing as well myself um yeah we don't get to write as much as people think i think people think we're just writing all the time i mean this is a pretty we're pretty busy we're pretty busy doing podcasts and editing and stuff like that. So I don't get to write as much as I like. So I'm looking forward to doing a bit of writing down there as well, for sure. That's the thing when you get involved in a hobby or a passion of your own and you end up making it your job, you, you end up not actually <laughs> doing it that much. You know? So like for yeah, me, as, as a kite surf instructor and like running the school, I'm, I'm mainly watching people kite surf. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I like I, I never moan about this because I still, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken about this before. I still have like imposter syndrome sometimes. Like I feel like like it's, it's, it's still a bit weird for me, you know, it's still a bit of a weird situation to to be in this, be lucky enough to be in this position. And I think I've told the story before, but I remember years ago when I was messaging Aaron to come on the podcast and he said, hey, man, just he said, here's my WhatsApp here's my whatsapp you know message me here because i'm not always looking at my at my instagram ah oh, cool and i was like i was like Fuck, i've got aaron headless whatsapp and i was like <laughs> i was like am i actually is this am i actually going to make something of this podcast because for years man i mean this podcast started in 2017 you know 
And the first year was just, I was just interviewing. I mean, I interviewed, you know, definitely had like Mark and people on for sure. But it wasn't until 2018 that I, 2017, you're still having to work to get guests. And even though I'd, I'd, you know, put up maybe 50 or 60 episodes or something like that, I still had to work to get guests. 2018, it was, you know, people starting to find out more about it. And I could say, hey, I'm from Kutzer 365. And oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll come on for sure. You know, and I got that's when I that's when it really started to happen. And obviously, you know, working more with Colin the last few years is is has been good as well. So yeah, it's it, it took some time. I have no idea where the story came from, but it was uh yeah. But anyway, yeah, imposter syndrome. Yeah, sometimes I still I still think, shit, man, am I? This is weird. It's weird for me to be able to call these guys my friends sometimes. You know. It's awesome though. And I was wondering, because I know obviously we're doing the podcast together and there's this dynamic of being two people and we're a couple as well. So mm. that's a harder bickering aspect of it. But um, how is it with you and Colin? Because you were doing it on your own and you still do a lot of episodes on your own and then yeah. having someone else come on. How, how have you found it? So Kitesurf 365 comes out every Monday that, and that's just me. That's that's a deep dive into into writers that are making waves in the in the industry which is normally always current affairs and you know at the moment everything's going to be king of the internet and then uh colin and i do the megapod on thursdays and the megapod has become what's topical that week uh now colin had been on the show a couple times before we started actually if you remember back into 2019 or 2020 2020 i can't remember 2020 we did he come on once a month called colin's corner and that's was we were just talking just 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 talking shit you know and then we started doing it oh let's do it once a week um the dynamic yeah that's interesting because there is something lost when you're doing it like uh over zoom or riverside or whatever your sort of platform there is some there is something lost for sure 100 percent. and i think you can you can hear that difference of colin and i traveling and we're recording together you know there, there is something there's a little spark there that is lost via the you know via the computer um but I don't. I, I just think that the dynamic comes if you just have to. You have to be yourself every time, right? If you try and be someone you're not, which is the irony because Collins, you know, is who he is. But if you if you are yourself and the dynamics there, then you don't need to push it. You know, I think if you if you're trying to force something or trying to be funny, oh, let's let's try and think of five funny things to say each. Man, that's just a recipe for failure. Yeah. You just got to be yourself, and and I think that you know people listen because they enjoy what we say. Or what, you know, we try and, if I say something, he tries to say something opposite, which is kind of cool too, but um, people listen because they enjoy the banter or the stories or, you know, we have pretty good access to writers sometimes so we can, you know, get the latest out or get something out quickly or, you know, straight away after the event. So, yeah. And uh, it's also hilarious what happened during the uh, the Woot Worlds with, with you guys. Oh, shit. Which is one of yeah. the things that I'm most looking forward to about your Cape Town trip, and I'm wondering what your uh, sort of tactics are for this naked dip. Midnight, uh, for sure. No, I mean, uh, yeah, the Woo World. So, uh, yeah, that was a, that. That turned out to be a lot of fun, and um, I'm not sure we were 100 percent happy with it. By the way, I don't think yeah. I don't think they were super happy with what the what the SpaceX guys did, but. You know, I think in the end, we all respected what SpaceX did because I thought that they were having some fun with it. They knew they lost. They couldn't keep up. They they knew they were beating the end of the wind. And so what they did was was super funny. And if you haven't seen that, 
I think you can still see their video. They basically, uh, yeah, they cheated and they admitted to it. But yeah, it did cause a little bit of friction. But uh, yeah, so the, the, the penalty, yeah, uh, we haven't thrashed that one out yet, but uh, it will it will happen in Cape Town for sure. I would definitely just grab a kite and just zoom off out to sea. Or naked. <laughs> yeah. Where am I coming? Naked, mate, I'll freeze. Just do a little downwind and then have Depends. a little towel ready for you on the beach when you get in. Yeah, I mean, we will probably have to. Uh, yeah, we'll probably think that one through. I, Colin's original plan to do this, like, you know, run from that restaurant, you know, run to the beach, roll, swim, roll in the sand, <laughs> run back and drink a beer. I think we're going to have to probably modify that. I think it's okay to say yeah, yeah, but we will modify that a little bit and just, uh, and um, yeah, I don't know. It'll happen. It'll happen. There'll be some. There'll be some video evidence. Maybe not frontal, but we'll we'll do something. You can just do a little like um, blurry thing, you know, like they do, like pixel blurry. A little one. So it could, <laughs> a little big. I don't know. <laughs> big pixel idea, please. So when we, when we were in um, when we were in Cape Town and we was watching the King of the Air for the first time, it was hilarious. There was these two dudes that oh, yeah. that done their, they were streaking through the King of the Air box through through the zone. Oh, cool. Yeah, never seen that before. And they were busting like some big old kite loop late backs that like most of the guys oh, were really? doing in a, I wonder in, who in it was. competition. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Who was it? Got no idea, but I don't think they, they got a lot of cheers from the beach. I'm sure they did, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we could probably find that out. I should ask someone and say, hey, do you remember, it? was it 2018? Who were the 2018 or 2019? Writers? It was um, that year. When was it? It was in December? It depends. But Kevin Langery probably won right. for the it third was, time. No, it's only, it's only been in December this last year. I'm going to text someone right now, see if they can So find it was out. 2019 we, then? Uh, I'm going to play something to you. I don't know if it's going to be the result we need, but you might have to edit this part out. How is it? No, we, uh, we, we can't recall who it was. Um, the, the only person that comes to mind is Jet, because any excuse to kite naked with that boy. No, he doesn't know. I'll ask. I'll ask Jet later. I think he'll know. It wasn't Jet for sure. I know it wasn't him doing yeah, it. Yeah, because he was on the beach known. drinking at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was with with us. Um. Anyway, that's hilarious. Right, I'm excited for you to like go to Cape Town and experience that. It's going to be so amazing. It's best favorite memories of being around. So is it literally your first time in Cape Town? No, no. I've been down to South Africa few times i've kited i've actually kited in south africa before but never in cape town i've kited up in, in durban up in, in mozambique area and stuff like that but i've been to cape town playing rugby and uh, i've been to south africa playing rugby a few times so yeah i've been been there you know enjoy the south african uh, you know experience i had a lot of south african mates in dubai there's a big south african culture there so yeah i, I like the i like a good bry and a, and a brandy so yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah it's going to be a lot of fun and Hopefully get some good kiting in, which would be cool. And uh, and uh, yeah, just looking forward to the covering the event and you know trying to create as much cool content as we can for for everybody. You know. Yeah, looking forward to seeing all that content coming out. <laughs> Mate, it'll be crazy. It'll be crazy. We, <laughs> we, I hope, hope we don't swamp it again. I think we sometimes there's a good balance to get right. You know, some people like it once a week, but they get a bit pissed off when it's like an episode coming out every day. Day one wrap up, day two wrap up. This like too much, but uh, yeah, it's me or Joe Rogan, man. You got to listen to one, you know, one or the other. So what what's next for Kitesurf three six five and the Megapod, Adrian? I think next year we are going to try and rebrand, and so it's uh, the same name or a similar name for both, or a combination of the names, because I think that uh, because everything goes out on Kitesurf three six five dot com, 
and the Megapod doesn't really have any searchable SEO type stuff, which is, uh, even though the Megapod's well known within the industry, it's not really a searchable name. So I think we want to try and, and do something with that. Um, next year, we want to try and do uh, a, like a, a safari where we're going to put it out there to the people, the listeners, hey, we're going to be doing a boat safari. So anyone, 20 people who want to come on the boat, we'll organize. Uh, obviously, we'll get some special people to come and join us. So that'll be super cool. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to do a little bit more racing next year. We, we enjoyed the racing. It's I think it's a part of the sport that is going to blow up. If you Once you see high-level racing in person, man, it's impressive. Very, very impressive. And heading to the Olympics, I think that is uh, an opportunity that we can't miss. I think that is going to be great for kite surfing, great for the sport, great for everyone involved in the industry. And it's going to come out of the racing front because young people are going to see British kite surfing doing well because, by the way, the Brits have got unbelievable girls and guys. Uh, you know, if if a British girl can win, or or maybe a British guy, Connor or guy can win a gold medal, man, it, you watch you watch that blow up in the UK. I mean, we've seen that with other sports when there's a, a local hero like I think Con said, you're on the wheat books box type stuff. You know, it it brings a lot of eyes, attention, money to the sport. So I think that's a good thing, and uh, yeah, I want that to do well because. I feel like you said before, I fear kiting coming to the Olympics, uh, sorry, winging coming to the Olympics. And if winging comes, foiling and winging, man, I, yeah, there's only going to be space for one of those sports. And, man, winging's getting big fast. So what we were talking about the other day about with, with you and Jasmine saying, you know, kiters have to stick together. No more freestyles dead. No more this. Man, we're all freestyle. What are we doing is just a freestyle. It's a, a riding of your choice. And, yeah, I think I think kiteboarding needs to stick together because – yeah, the, and I'm not saying winging is the evil enemy because I'm sure winging's great. Uh, it's not for me, but winging's coming. Unfortunately, it's coming fast. I know I've tried it. Well, you've got yeah. <laughs> you want to teach it, that's why. Because yeah. it's coming fast, so <laughs> people are into massive. it. I don't know if massive. it would ever push kite surfing out of the Olympics if that became a thing. You know. I think there's, I think there's it's space. so different, I guess. Yeah. Who knows? I think it's like a different sort of sport altogether. You remember that quite? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, it is just, it is a sport that's undeniably, it's it's growing just undeniably, is it? You know, it's so, the the, the growth is just so massive. But it's so like, anyway, it's like we'll saying um, that kite surfing is going to push out windsurfing and the sort of stuff between that. But there's, it's just a different sport altogether, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Fingers crossed. I hope so. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, that's about it. We really haven't made too many plans for next year. Besides what I've told you, uh, we'll probably sit down in December and decide on that. But I think it'll just be business as usual. I mean, we've got a pretty good system now. We, uh, we've got a, it, it runs fairly smoothly. We've got great support from you know sponsors and, and uh, you know people who listen through coffee accounts and members. So we're super thankful for them all the time, and we're trying to do more for for our members. And uh, yeah. I think next year we will put one team together, so it won't be the Shipmunks versus SpaceX. It'll just be it'll be the it'll be the Megapod team. We might rebrand it or rename it, and uh, it'll be just us having a good crack at some weird world stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do think you should do like uh, the team together. We we actually put a yeah, team yeah. together. Actually, we had a uh, we had Lewis Crathen in our team. Oh, cool. And uh, and a load of uh, well, we I basically put a team together with. All of like the UK sort of top riders, and then they've done it right. Think, and me, okay. and Mel, Mel was, was in it. it? No. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think we came 
like 11th or 12th in the max height. That's I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think we've done all right. Yeah. Anyway. You know what? The cool thing about Woo Worlds is you don't need to be a pro rider to do well, right? Look at the teams at the top. I mean, it's just all about commitment. It's all about who's crazy enough to go that hard. And, I mean, just from inside information, you know, the people like, you know, Aya Kiteboarding and Timo Point of Sale and those those guys who did, like, sort of 12 hours in the water, like, every single day. I mean, I, I heard through people at Woo, I mean, those guys were taking so many painkillers, so many things to keep going. And they were just yeah. pushing, 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 pushing because they were that determined to be at the top. So I don't think you need to be a pro rider to do well. You just need to be that committed and a little bit crazy. And, uh, you know, that total distance and all that type of stuff, that can be won by anyone. And the cool thing is it just gives everyone that opportunity to have their name in lights, to be recognized as a, as a professional, to be recognized as a person who's beaten – 4,000 people. So that that's cool as well. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely a really fun competition with getting everyone involved. Yeah, I definitely enjoy right. that. It's good. About other water sports. So you said you maybe would like to do free diving and is there other oh. water sports that you were into or wanted to try? No, I, I think free diving is kind of cool because it's maybe not the free diving I'm interested in. I think I'm interested in doing like spearfishing because like, you know, spearfishing is like selective hunting right it's like you know if, if you are someone who cares about the environment and stuff like that then i think spearfishing is one of those ultimate ways to hunt and gather and whatever because you are you know choosing the fish to shoot and uh, you have to have some skill to do it you need to have be trained and, and be at a level that you can control yourself in a hostile environment which is underwater so i think i'm attracted to that i think the core value of that is to learn how to free dive and hold your breath for longer and be able to be relaxed underwater. So I, I think that I would like to do something like that because I think I'd like to try spearfishing one day or something along those lines. Does that, I, I hope that answers your question because, um, yeah, I kind of, I'm, I think I'm more attracted to spearfishing and I like the fact that those guys can hold their breath underwater for periods of time too. <laughs> They're not just diving down and just like, okay, I've got to go back up, you know. So Adrian, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you coming to chat to us. Really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing everything else that you've got coming up. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this episode with Adrian. If you want to see more from him, then please check out the description where you can find links to his social channels and podcast. If you like the podcast, then please show us some appreciation and leave us a review. And you can even rate us on Spotify. If you want to check out anything else we get up to at Tide, then please head over to our social channels on Instagram and Facebook. Or you can check out our website, tidewatersports.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you there for the next one. Bye.